millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com on today's US Open Round 4 catch-up. Emma Raducanu makes quick work of Shelby Rogers. Felix Auger-Aliassime fights off Francis Tiafo, And Leila Fernandez stuns Kerber to make her Maiden Slam quarter-final. Kim, what a fourth round it has been so far, particularly for British fans. We are coming on hot off a Emma Raducanu victory against Shelby Rogers. It was a pretty ruthless effort. It was very reminiscent of her previous match against Sara Cerebes Tormo. She's still not dropped a set. It's very, very exciting. I'm amazed that there is still British interest in the singles. There's British interest in the doubles as well. And we've also had some fantastic matches across round four in the men's and women's competitions. We've still got the night session to come as well. with Novak Djokovic versus Jensen Brooksby, the wild card uh, home favourite. So it's it's very, very exciting. But again, we've got to start with what feels like is going to be one of the stories of the, the two weeks in New York City. And that is Emma Raducanu coming through qualifying and now into, can you believe it, into the quarterfinals? I was not expecting it. I thought, oh, fantastic. At the start of last week, you know, she's qualified. You know, she's doing well. She She's won her first round, won her second round. And then I just, <laughs> you know, we thought Wimbledon was amazing, her getting to that fourth round. But to get to the quarterfinals in only your second slam, it's, you know, she's only 18. She's she's barely played on the tour let alone you know get to like the second week of of both of her first grand slams like that basically only happens once in a blue moon and you know it's only that the very top players of the game who have had this sort of impressive debut um it's it's remarkable and and the today's match was remarkable in in its own right because she got off to a really bad start and we were kind of thinking Oh, you know, is it a case of, you know, the the nerves again? Is it, are we going to see potentially another kind of disappointing end to her, you know, slam campaign like, like we did in that fourth round at Wimbledon? But the way she managed to turn it around today was just astonishing. Yeah, it was very, very impressive stuff. I think we are witnessing something truly special here. It was great to see, I think, Virginia Wade, uh, you know, another all-time great kind of watching on from the crowd as well. And, you know, she would have been very impressed with what she saw from Radu Kanu. I think particularly the way she came back into it because there were, you know, there were nerves there. She definitely, you know, was, I think, trying too hard to begin with. You know, she was going for winners that... Didn't, weren't necessarily on she was hitting a little bit beyond the baseline too often and you know those unforced errors I was a bit kind of nervous and the fact that she was what two love down I think she was love 40 down on the serve it did it did sort of look like it was that you know the momentum was with you know Shelby Rogers but from then on she won 
12 of the next 13 games, 6-2, 6-1, it just, it just switched around so quickly. And to see the, the manner of, to see the manner of that, it was quite clear, I think, from Rogers. She, she just didn't know, she just did not know what to do. And although she had, you know, her forehand was working quite well, I think, to begin with, by the end of it, I think she was just sort of lost in terms of, you know, what's my, what's my game plan? What's my strategy against Amaradakanu? Because she just had, you know, like Sara Cerebus Tormo, she just had no answers on the tennis court. Yeah, and I wonder if there's an element of players coming into these matchups with Emma and being a bit, you know, not expecting her to be that good and underestimating her as an opponent. And obviously, you know, do that at your peril. It's being yeah. proven. And I mean, yeah, she was just like, on and off in a flash really it was it was the length of my monday night quiz shows joel on bbc2 <laughs> um i you know they <laughs> emma started shortly before they began and she finished just after they ended and i mean what a turnaround so to go and win you know 11 straight games from from going to love down and it was just i mean i'm glad she managed to get over the finish line in, in that last game and it didn't you know lose her serve because like who knows if if Rogers might have had something to to you know creep back into that set with, but yeah, I mean her overall set score lines this whole tournament for Emma Raducanu has been very impressive. She's only dropped fifteen games in four matches, which is the least of any of the you know women's players left in the draw. She makes it all look quite easy, really. And on paper, you look at her score lines and you think, oh, like what a walk in the park. It's just um, really phenomenal. Obviously, you know she's now into her first quarterfinal she's got Benchich which will be you know a massive step up even from Shelby Rogers who obviously is a very decent player knocked out the top seed Ash Barty in the round before but you know Benchich is going to be um you know Benchich is, is in the form of her life she's just won the Olympic gold medal and I mean obviously Emma Raducanu she she's just obviously got to enjoy this moment right now and Hopefully she can go into the match on Wednesday thinking, I've already done so amazingly well. Like, let's just see, see what happens, see if we can get any further, but not put too much pressure on herself because although I'm sure she'd love to get to the semifinals, you know, she's already done so, so well. And, you know, it, it, <laughs> I don't know if she can, can she go further? I don't know. I've, I feel like everyone's getting on this bandwagon and we do need to maybe be somewhat realistic. <laughs> And just on Shelby Rogers, I mean, were you surprised given, you know, the level that she showed against Ash Barty, who's been, you know, one of the standout performances of this season, you know, coming coming through that match, showing a really high level of tennis. You know, she's been to a, a, the quarterfinals of the US Open before, you know, last last year she was a quarterfinalist here. But the level of tennis that she showed, did that, did it sort of surprise you, the, you know, the way that, um, you know, she came out on court. You know, how how much of this was Emma Raducanu playing really, really well, or how much of this was Shelby Rogers just playing really, really not well? Because it, there were a lot of times where going further into the match, it just felt like she was trying to go for too many winners, and where the right shot was just to get the you know the ball back in play, hit a nice rally shot. She was just kind of going for low percentage tennis and. Yeah, it was very stark contrast for me between the the performance she was putting out against Ash Barty to the performance she was putting out against Emma Raducanu. 
Yeah, I do wonder if there was also a bit of a, a fall down from that Barty match. You know, it's such mm. a big win that, that, you know, in front of your home crowd. It was, you know, a night match. It was all very draining. And she, I think she had a really long doubles match as well, um, did Rogers yesterday. So perhaps not the greatest idea to, to have a long doubles match when you've got a, you know, big fourth round match coming up. Plus the fact maybe she underestimated what, you know, she was stepping onto court against today. She hit, I think, like double, yeah, double the number of, er- you know, unforced errors to winners. I think it was like 29 unforced errors, only 14 winners. So that kind of does show you that Rogers, yeah, was, was just not finding the court. And obviously that helped Emma a lot. <laughs> um, Benchich, I imagine, will be a lot uh, more consistent than that. So it's going to be, yeah, a kind of another level, but a level that Emma's going to have to, to get to and overcome. So bring it on, you know. <laughs> yeah, because there were a lot of kind of just, cheap gimme points really for for Raducanu that really helped her and I think another thing that helped her was the crowd or I feel like the lack of it you know there was a long you know that Zverev match against Sinner was quite long the you know as you can imagine the the crowd sort of exited after that match and it was quite empty I think to to begin with and I think you know I thought that was going to help Raducanu settle quite early on you know it wasn't like a capacity crowd it wasn't the sort of boisterous crowd I think we sort of know the New York crowd to uh, to represent and I thought maybe they could have brought a bit more to the, the table to make it a little bit more uncomfortable I think for, for Raducanu but at, at the same time I think you know what we've seen I think in, in Raducanu's previous matches is how how well she is liked by the the American crowd and even it wasn't a uh, you know the atmosphere I don't think it was as intimidating as potentially it could have been and again I think that was a factor that sort of helped Raducanu kind of settle and really I think kind of just focus on her match and focus on her game and you could see on the on the TV screen that she was very very focused she she walked onto court knowing what she she needed to do and the fact that I don't think the crowd were as much of a, a factor as potentially they could have been especially for example if this was uh, you know played in the, the night session I certainly think that helped her as well. Yeah, and I think um, I think she'll probably have a day session against Benchich as well. I think mm. the day sessions are a bit sort of less intimidating than than a night match. And you know, at Wimbledon when she played Tomjanovic, she'd been waiting around like all day, and I yeah. think obviously that that didn't help. So I think coming on court, you know, second match on, that was probably a, a lot better. And although the crowd was obviously you know, pro Rogers, like she was the last remaining American woman left in the draw. I don't think it was, um, you know, I think everyone, I think Red Decano is, is very well liked. Everyone's kind of, you know, getting behind her and her story and the fact that she is so young. She's, you know, only the third qualifier now ever to get to the women's quarterfinals. And actually, interestingly, she's one of only three women remaining in the draw who have never lost at Flushing Meadows, one being Andreescu and the other being Krejcikova, who's like also on her main draw debut here so um you know she's sort of it's quite funny <laughs> that those three are all all still going um see that may change later perhaps with Andrescu. yeah it's certainly a fascinating time in the in the women's game and yeah i think this tournament has proved both on the, the women's and men's side underestimate i think 18 year old teenagers at your peril because they are doing some real damage and and Radicani really is kind of leading leading the line there and you know we were spoke, speaking before about the fact that you know with Conta not playing this tournament that you know british women's number one is really uh, you know up for grabs at the moment and although you look at Radicani's ranking i think it's it's sort of around i think I think with this victory, well, I think we'll be maybe around top 100, might put herself in the top 100. But certainly at the moment, 
she is the form player, and I think for a lot of British fans, I think the, the question will be is when when can we next when can we next see her on a tennis court? You know, can we see her in the the Billie Jean King Cup or, or whatever whenever it is? Because she's been such a you know fascinating prospect for I think for a lot of tennis fans, particularly British tennis fans, for a few seasons now. Really, the fact that she's been able to bring it together at Wimbledon now at the U.S. Open. I mean, she's such a I feel like she's such a darling at the moment of the the British tennis game and it, it's bubbling up really, really well for her. I know we've probably been in this situation before. I mean, there are going to be, I think, comparisons to, you know, Laura Robson's did really well previously in this, you know, this tournament getting to the fourth round in, uh, you know, in 2012 and I think in, in 2013 as well. And it didn't, I don't think it's, it necessarily quite came off for her in the, in the way that perhaps she wanted to, wanted to given, you know, injury setbacks when whatever. But I think for Raducanu at the moment, the way she's playing, it does really feel like it's a, a special time for her. And certainly I don't think she's going to want it to finish at the, the quarterfinal stage. No, no, definitely not. I mean, let's just talk about her quarterfinal opponent because that is Belinda Bencic, who came through against Iga Sviontek today in straight set 7-6, 6-3. Now, actually, there were signs that Bencic may have some sort of back injury. She was seemed she seemed to be struggling. She seemed to be in a bit of pain um, as that first set kind of got to its conclusion. And then she managed to get through the match. That tie break in the first set was epic levels of proportion, wasn't it? It was 14-12 in the end to Bencic, uh, about 23 minutes long. Svontek had uh, set points, um, but she made a mess um, of a volley double faulted and uh, wasn't able to capitalise on like four set points. So Bencic came through. Um, Bencic had been a, a breakup, but, um, you know, she had kind of let that that lead um slip and then seemed to yeah be kind of clutching her back a bit and which does perhaps give Raducanu a bit of hope if there is some perhaps some sort of physical ailment that Benchich has picked up that that may you know come in handy perhaps but we we just never know really do you and um I'm sure Benchich will be getting that looked into if there is um an issue but yeah um Shvontek did seem a bit out of sorts wasn't serving particularly well bit inconsistent today so um just Benchich, yeah, much stronger um, and coming through 6-3 in that second set, showing her resilience, you know, to to kind of get through that that tough tiebreak, which probably perhaps was a, kind of the pivotal pivotal moment. If Sviontek had, had won that, you know, epic tiebreak, perhaps, you know, might have been a bit different in, in that second set. Yeah, Sviontek, this tournament, I feel, has been a bit bit inconsistent at times. You know, I think we've seen we've seen better from her. You know, she'll obviously be back and, you know, raring to go, I think, next season. And it'll be interesting to see how she kicks on, uh, you know, from, you know, this part of the season, you know, post, post-US Open. But certainly for Bencic, this is a really, you know, she is in a really good state of form at the moment, I think, with, you know, with the gold medal. We're seeing both gold medalist Verev and Bencic uh, really kind of carrying that momentum through and it will be another completely different proposition for for Emma Raducanu in that quarterfinals because we I think we know that Bencic again I think more she's more of a Sara Suribes Tormo sort of character than a Shelby Rogers character and certainly I can see Bencic maybe pulling some tricks I feel like there's going to be Kim some medical timeouts and there's going to be a lot more, you know, a lot more noise. And I think a lot more, I think, game management that is going to be needed from Raducanu to stay focused and, you know, just really kind of look after her game. Because I think Rogers is a, you know, she's a very, 
um you know she's a very impressive uh i think ambassador and role model for you know for tennis and a, a great character i think on the court Benchich, on the other hand, has definitely got, I think, some tricks potentially up her sleeve if it's not going her way to to try and kind of switch the, the momentum. So I think Radicani will sort of be doing well to just sort of watch out for potentially those moments. But um, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating encounter, I think. And I mean, Benchich as well has just been playing very good tennis sort of I think been going under the radar this week I know we were sort of speaking about whether we were going to get a Barty Benchich quarterfinal well that's not that's not happening but Benchich Radicanu that again is going to be very interesting because you know for a lot of these players they they've never they've never played her before they probably never even you know they probably it probably they probably registered on her you know their radar that you know she got to the round four at, at Wimbledon but beyond that they probably not played someone like her and it will be very it will be another, I think, tall order, but it will be very um, fascinating to see how that um, how that develops. And let's look at the other side of the draw, Joel, and the women's matches from yesterday, because we had Leila Fernandez, who was playing, who had just started, I think, playing Kerber at the time of, of our recording. And we were kind of a bit dismissive, perhaps unfairly, you know, saying she was unlikely to pull off another, you know, win like she did over Osaka. How we were wrong. Oh, yes. We were made to eat our words <laughs> because she came back from a set down against Kerber um, to turn it around. You know, went to that second set tie break. She won it. And then she was, yeah, she kind of ran it. Well, not ran away, but very dominant in that last set 6-2 to uh, completely turn the match around. And I, I, I was sort of just not expecting her to to pull off that performance again because we can't say that you know Kerber was not in in good form because we could have probably said that about Osaka given mm. you know her results in the the lead up to US Open but Kerber has been in some scintillating form over the last few months so this was I think more probably even more of a shock than uh you know Fernandez defeating Osaka and again it was a very impressive victory and you know it'll be a nice birthday present for her as well because that was uh that happened one day before her 19th birthday which is completely mad but yeah it was very it was very very impressive and and Kerber you know obviously another a, a US Open Grand Slam champion I think it will be disappointing for her but at the same time you know that embrace at the net afterwards you could see she had very some very kind words I think to Fernandez it was very um you know she was very uh, you know positive I think in defeat and although I think she will certainly see this as a, a missed opportunity she was very happy I think for Fernandez and the way she came through it and you know the fact that she is now in the you know the uh quarterfinals she's sort of she's sort of the, like the, she's doing a an Emma Raducanu for for Canadian tennis because I think this was com- again completely not what I think anyone was really expecting like Raducanu before the the tournament but the fact that she has come through, you know, a section of the draw that has involved Osaka, Kerber, Sloane Stevens, Coco Goff, uh, Madison Keys was in there. To be the one who's left standing in your in your quarter, that's a that is a top effort. Given that you know, probably not everyone was probably thinking you were you were going to be there from the you know from day one. Yeah, and with the crowd, you know, I know she's she's not American, she's Canadian, but they were really sort of enamoured by by what they saw, obviously mm. wanted the match to to go the distance. And, you know, I think that really, really helped as well, like like it had in the Osaka match. And, you know, she hit like 45 winners, like she was really going for it. And she's got a lot of power in quite a, you know, she's got quite a slight build, but she's got 
she packs quite a punch and you wouldn't necessarily expect her to. And I know Kerber was very appreciative, um, you know, of, of her game afterwards and very congratulatory of, of her at the net. So, yeah, I mean, I think Fernandez could, could go further. She's got Svitolina next, who, as we said uh, yesterday, you know, came through, came through against Halep. Um, I just wonder if Svitolina would let Fernandez kind of get into a situation mm. where it went to a second set tie break for her to be able to turn it around. I feel like Svitolina seems a she bit seems like, on you it. know, on a mission. Yeah, yeah, she seems like she's not willing to get embroiled no. in these sorts of matches. I don't think she will be happy if she doesn't make her maiden slam final with the you know, the way she is playing. Um, you know, very, I think, dominant kind of victory over Simona Halep, uh, you know, 6-3, 6-3. I think Halep was struggling. Uh, I think she was frustrated with herself. I think there was a, a racket smash in there as well. But yeah, Svitolina, again, another player who is playing really, really well at the moment and Fernandez it will feel like a you know a hat trick of of under underdog victories if she can pull it off against Vitalina but it's going to be a very tall order because Vitalina is playing some very very good tennis and you know she came through you know a match, match against someone quite similar to her in, in Dario Kasatkina um, in a third round and I think she's just sort of spurred on and the closer she's getting I think the more she's sort of buying into actually you know it could be it could be my time this year and I don't think she's going to let this opportunity slip well she's not certainly going to let it slip with any sort of ease no exactly and uh, one other player who definitely I think you know we're not really talking about which is probably quite up her street and she doesn't want to be having this sort of pressure put on her but she is actually now the highest seed left in it and that is Arena Sabalenka number two seed she's into the quarterfinals without really too much fuss um she came through in straight sets against Elise Merton 6-4-6-1 just over an hour I mean Elise Merton's that you know they've played doubles together they've they've won doubles tournaments together they know each other very very well so I think Zabalenka probably had uh Mertens's number from from the word go really in in this match and um Mertens you know great player but just not someone who's gonna set the world alight and and really go deep at a slam you feel um you know not at least consistently and you know Zabalenka's doing doing her thing she's coming through without much hoo-ha and that's probably what she wants really um because you know she reached the semis at Wimbledon and she's going to want to get into that final here and go you know at least one round further yeah it's uh yeah we're, we're absolutely not talking about Sabalenka she's just sort of obliterating her opponents and I think Elise Mertens she was a bit overpowered I think uh by Sabalenka like a lot you know a lot of players who come up against Sabalenka and um it was very, again, very, very dominant, very, very ruthless. She is the the top seed left. I think she's been in this position before. I think she was in this sort of similar situation, um, you know, at, at Wimbledon. Um, and yeah, it's again, she's going to be another player who thinks this is this is you know this has got potential for me. You know, the courts are playing quite quickly. That again plays into her absolutely massive ground strokes. You probably say she's probably got the biggest game left. Uh, you know, of the women potentially left, maybe Pliskova potentially might have something to say about that. But the fact that she's in the the quarterfinals and is is go flying under the radar, I think yeah, she'll be very very happy with that. And you know, she's been very, I think, very very consistent. You know, I think there's been times in the past where we would have thought that she might combust and you know go out early in in the slam, but it seems to be that she now is. 
you know, very much living up to that billing of being one of the the top seeds. And I think the most important thing for her is, you know, her game is, I think we can see is is very very good at the moment i think it's going to be a question about her her mental approach and being able to stay calm um you know in her matches going forward because she's going to come up against you know some very tough challenges i think she might be put under pressure that she hasn't necessarily been put under this tournament so far and it might just be a mental question i as i think as opposed to a you know, a physical question or a, a, a question about her ability, because I think if she plays the to the ability she's been showing, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people who can stop her. And, you know, maybe one of those people was Barty with the, the sort of variety that she brings. But I don't really see a, a player who has that variety that may be able to negate or, or nullify that that Sabalenka power in, in the same way. So I certainly think with Barty going out, it certainly favours uh, Sabalenka's chances. Do you not think Krachikova, who is uh, her next round opponent in the quarterfinal, oh, do you think, yeah. you know, she yeah. plays slightly unorthodox. I think if anyone could upset Sabalenka's apple card, it, it may be Barbara Krachikova, who um, came through in straight sets against Garbina Muguruza amid some controversy uh, last night. This was actually going on when I woke up this morning. Um, and I mean, I was... Firstly, I was like, why is there tennis still on? And then I realized I had to wake up extra early. And that was why it wasn't just that, you know, it was exceptionally <laughs> late. But um, yeah, this was an interesting match because Muguruza lost the first set 6-3, was four love down in the second set and managed to come back. Um, she had two set points, um, but she went to a tie break and um, she lost. It was crazy of a loss. However... There was a big sort of hoo-ha because Krachikova left the court for a medical um, timeout, I think it was, at 5-6. And Muguruza was not very pleased. Um, No. I guess claims of a bit of a Sitsipas moment going on. (laughs) Her team were not happy either, I don't think. No, I mean, should she have been allowed to take a medical timeout at that point in the match? Like, literally, you know, a a game away from potentially going into a tie break, stopping, you know, Muguruza's, like, momentum. Mm. It's, you know, it's it like critique of her saying that she had um, sort of a breathing issue. She suddenly just felt, like, really not with it, dizzy, you know, and had to um, obviously take some time out. And, you know, obviously, we don't want anyone to be experiencing that and they need to get help, but it just it seemed to sort of come out of nowhere almost. And I guess maybe she was getting stressed about the fact that she'd let this four love lead go. And it's just, you know, I guess it's not ideal for the opponent, but again, like we said with Andy Murray against Stefano Sitspas, you kind of just have to deal with it. Like there's always going to be things you're not happy about. So I know Muguruza was, was not pleased, but uh, you know, I see both sides. I think that's the thing. I think with this, example you can see both sides um i don't think this is a like for like comparison to stefano sissipas because you could see on the you could see on the court that she just wasn't with it um you know the the way she described it afterwards she said i started to feel dizzy and the whole world was shaking it never had happened to me before and it, it did give me actually flashbacks to uh what i felt like emma radicanu was sort of experiencing um, at Wimbledon against against Tom Janovic. but maybe this sort of played out actually on on the tennis court. But um, yeah, it, it, you could tell that she was not in a, a good state, and she needed uh, you know she needed some help. It was unfortunate, I think, that it would needed to come at uh, you know f- at five four down. Um, you know, I de- I, de- I certainly think that did 
sort of stop the, the Muguruza momentum a little bit. And, you know, if it was me, I, again, I can understand why Muguruza was frustrated because I would have felt that it would have been more appropriate or if I had more, if I wanted to show maybe the ultimate, uh, you know, sportsmanship, then I could have got it done. You know, I could have had that at the the end of the set. Um so I can I can sort of see kind of both sides to the to the argument, um, but as you said, I think for Muguruza, it's it's just making sure, and I it seems a, a, a it seems to be something that I think a lot of you know we commonly are talking about with a lot of women's players, they're just not and men's players as well, they're just not ready to to handle this, and it's like oh this stopped my momentum and. I don't know what to do about it. And again, I think it's something that these players need to address if they're going to, it's, you know, it's part of the game. And yes, Muguruza will be annoyed with herself not winning that, that tie break. I mean, she had enough chances to. Um, so whether she's maybe using this as a little bit of an excuse, because I do think that she had, she had her moments to take it to a third. And I think she knows if she had taken it to a third, it was, it was probably on her racket given the, you know, the physical, you know, the physical well-being that, that Krachikova had had found herself in. Yeah, and also you've got to, if you think your opponent is clearly struggling, you've got to play in a very clever way so you can make the most of that. And it's often we see it, you know, it actually gets into the head of the opponent because they sort of think, oh, you know, perhaps I'm in with a shot, they're, they're clearly injured or ill or whatever, and then it just actually doesn't really help them. So... Yeah, and I mean, there were also, I think, claims that Muguruza was being coached during the match, perhaps. So, you know, that was, you know, perhaps also a bit of bit of controversy. Um, so perhaps they're both both some tactics going on. Who knows? <laughs> it was very interesting. I think that was the obviously the big flashpoint, the big talking point of the match. And you, I think, you could sense with Muguruza that she knew that if she was if she was able to force that third set then maybe we we would be talking about Muguruza in the, the quarterfinals. But it'll be interesting to see how Krachikova recovers and comes out in her quarterfinal, whether this thing will happen again, whether there's some way that she's able to combat it. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, the only other question I had, Kim, on this was, was it worthy of a, a medical timeout in the first place? Because it wasn't necessarily an, an injury, I would say. And it felt more of a, you know, this is a, a conditioning thing. And if it's a conditioning thing about your body, then that for me comes down to kind of, you know, who's the, you know, so it's almost kind of survival of the fittest. And that I don't think warrants. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. A medical timeout. And I don't know if there's a you know an argument to say that 
it wasn't appropriate for her to have a medical timeout. I know, obviously, you see that the the the, the, you know, the TV, you see it on the TV, and you're like, absolutely, she she needs one. But I think there will be some, you know, maybe a minority of people out there, a minority of fans out there, who will think that, well, if if you know, Muguruza is making her, you know, has forced her into this situation because she has come back from four love down, then that's on that's on Krejcikova and that arguably shouldn't result in getting a, a trainer on court. Yeah, although I read it more like if you're kind of struggling with breathing and feeling a bit dizzy, that it would be mm. more of an anxiety-related thing rather than conditioning, like that she's not fit enough. I, mm. I I just assumed it was more of a feeling like the stress and anxiety of the situation, and that's why she felt like that. So, you know, I don't think it's necessarily that she's not fit enough. I think it's more of a mental health side of thing i i don't know that's how i interpreted it listeners what do you think because i do i do wonder whether players maybe struggle to because we're seeing i think more of these situations as i said we saw this with mm. radicano at wimbledon and I, I do wonder whether players have less maybe or, or, or are, are less familiar or have less acceptance for these sorts of situations than versus say an injury where it's maybe more appropriate. It feels like at the moment we get, we're seeing a little bit more of these situations and players aren't really sure how to react to them, whether they're, you know, it's appropriate to get a, a trainer on, for example. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, I don't think you can judge, like you don't, you can't have sort of arbitrary guidelines. I think you've just got to give the players the benefit of the doubt because if there was a rule and then a player didn't get help and then something, you know, serious happened, you just wouldn't want that to be the situation. I mean, Kim, Muguruza was not giving Krachikova the <laughs> the element of doubt there because at the the net, the, there was dialogue caught uh, on on the camera with Krachikova saying, "Thank you, I'm sorry," but Muguruza replying, "That is so unprofessional." What do you what do you what do you make of that? Should that have maybe been kept to the locker room, or do you think Muguruza was right to kind of call it out on the court? It definitely was a you know, it wasn't the it wasn't the the nicest, I think, of or the warmest of handshakes we've seen uh, this tournament. No, maybe she has she lost respect for Krachikova, mm. like Andy Murray had lost respect for Tsitsipas. Yeah, I mean, I, if you're going to say it, it's probably going to be in the heat at the moment, isn't it? At the handshake, um, and I guess it it raises you know a discussion about it, like like we're doing now. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what everyone you know all the all our listeners maybe think about that, you know, who they perhaps um, side with on this, you know, was Muguruza right to, to say something at the net. Um, but yeah, on that note, Joel, let's have a quick break before we go and talk about all the men's tennis from today so far and yesterday. So do join us in the second half. This is the passing shot of Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com. And let's move on to the men's side of the draw because we've had a couple of results today and some from yesterday to discuss. Let's have a look at what we've seen so far today. Uh, we've had Sasha Zverev winning through against Yannick Sinner in straight sets, 6-4, 6-4, 7-6. Um, this match kind of just had like regulation 6-4 sets written all over it until kind of Zero well, threw in a, set, a bad yeah, game. That, <laughs> yeah, that third set was, you probably would have said Sinner, Sinner will be annoyed with himself. He really should have pushed that to four and then it could have maybe got a bit more interesting. But again, another, I think another example of Zverev's mental 
game, really improving the season. The fact that he was able to slam the door shut. Yes, yes, I think Sinner had opportunities where he would have expected to make them. But at the same time, for Zverev to you know, sh- shut that down and get it done in three sets, not, a, not an easy opponent, um, I think was very, very impressive from him. Absolutely. You know, he said um, after the match, you know, that that was sort of a dodgy game he threw in mm. and, um, you know, managed to save the, the set points that Sinat had and get the, get the job done in, in straight sets. Because, as you said, if it had gone on into a fourth, well, who, who knows? knows Perhaps they would have yeah. been embroiled, you know, could have gone on longer. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, it was a high level kind of performance from from Zverev bit weird in the post-match press conference uh when he, you know they were talking about how he'd won obviously the olympic gold and he made a comment about the fact that he sleeps with his gold medal because he doesn't have a girlfriend and obviously in light of the allegations that have been going around it just was a little off it was a bit mark. casual yeah a bit weird yeah a <laughs> bit, bit of an odd thing to say um perhaps not the best thing to say but um yeah we'll, we'll leave that uh we'll leave that at that I think um but yes I mean the last time they played at, at Aslam Sinner had actually you know beaten Zverev although I think that was when Zverev was was ill last year at the French but um yeah I think this was the result that I pretty much expected um but we've also today had Riley Apelka against Lloyd Harris and I thought that one was pretty even Riley Apelka and his pink bag and his pink bag, yeah, which came onto court again today. <laughs> he was not going to let that pink bag go. And no. funnily enough, today, I think it had unapproved uh, written on the side of it. So I don't know if he'd like written that on himself because it, it's, like it's not the logo of that gallery. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, I just, yeah, it's, it's been a, quite a big talking point on social media, uh, which is quite a laugh. But um, it didn't didn't do the magic for Opelka because he did lose uh, in four sets to to Lloyd Harris, who's who's quickly kind of, you know, becoming quite a thing. He's had some good wins here. He's going to be up to, I think, almost the top 30 in the world. So he's really putting together a very impressive tournament. Yeah, he has been very, 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 very good this tournament, particularly his serving. I mean, in his match against Apelka, uh, he won 92% uh, of points on his first serve and he was serving at 76%. So, so it sort of reminds me of the numbers that Berrettini was, was throwing out, uh, you know, on his, on his, uh, you know, during the grass court season. Uh, he's, he's just playing one match at a time and it's just going very, very smoothly and. It's very impressive from him. We've, you know, we, we clocked him early because of that win against Nadal, um, you know, in, in what, in Washington, DC. And he's carrying that on through to the US Open now into the quarterfinals. It's very, very good. <laughs> I'm not really sure where it's going to lead him to, whether he could get to the, the semifinals, who knows? But it was one of those matches though, where as a fan, you're kind of a bit like, are there going to be any extended rallies in these matches? Cause we know Lloyd Harris likes to, he likes to finish his finish points at the net. And so does Apelka, to be fair to him. So, you know, it was maybe not one, maybe for the 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 fans who enjoy maybe a bit of point construction and extended rallies, but certainly for Lloyd Harris to get that done in four sets over Apelka and not and you know only you know only uh, you know taken to one tiebreak actually that that was very very impressive. So he must be returning serve very well as well because Apelka didn't didn't seem to have uh, you know much answer for much answer for him after that first set. Yeah, I saw a stat on Twitter um, which was saying that Harris is, I think, only the seventh player who actually out-aced uh, a Pelka in a match. Um, 
so along the likes of you know people like Isner and um Medvedev and what have you is he is he coming for Ivanovic's record <laughs> well I mean perhaps yeah <laughs> I mean, it, that's going to be some beating. I don't think he's quite there. Just the fact that he's able to to do more than a Pelka was quite something. He obviously has a bang in serve. But um, yeah, we've got Oscar Otter against Matteo Berrettini on at the moment uh, as we're recording. Otter is three love up in the second set. Um, but I, I haven't obviously really been watching this avidly as we've been recording. But I did uh, see Oscar Otter falling over the net in the second game, which was quite uh, interesting to see. <laughs> but um, yeah, we've got Djokovic to come as well against uh, Jensen Brooksby. But last night we had um, a match that I really wasn't sure which way it would go because uh, I thought it was, again, pretty pretty even um, on paper. And that was Francis Tiafo against Felix Auger-Aliassime. And in the end, that was a four-set win for FAA. Uh, from a set down four six six two seven six six four, so he has reached another quarterfinal. Um, you know, he reached the Wimbledon quarterfinal, and now he's reached the quarterfinals here. He's actually the youngest man to have done that um, since Del Potro to reach back to back Grand Slam quarterfinals. Obviously, he is still a very young. I think he's about twenty, isn't he? Still, so um, we. I feel like he's been around for years. It's just he broke through. <laughs> you know quite quite young <laughs> yeah and as uh, well yeah and also it's it's you know since you know since his uh you know partnership with uncle tony uh from the rafa yeah. camp it's you know it's it is really reaping rewards now isn't it we you know it wasn't it wasn't necessarily uh, an instant an instant fix but certainly given the the time that they have spent they obviously gelling really well together and it's particularly working well at, at the slams and the fact that he's into the quarterfinals is is very very good because this was a match I think you know if, maybe a few seasons ago particularly that third set tie break I, you know I think this is a match that he he maybe would have lost um, you know against uh, you know an American in front front of a boisterous crowd that that third set tie break it really did hang on that and the fact that he was able to come through at eight six was very very impressive and he was able to kind of carry that through because I do sometimes think whether he steps onto court and knows knows what he is doing like we know he's got this talent but does he know what to do with it and I think that's what Uncle Tony has added to his game he's, he's telling him right I know you've got the talent this is what I want you to do with it and I think that's what helped him against a T- I, that's why I think it helped him against um, a TFO who has had a very good run here I think he gave a very good account of himself and again I think it will be a realization to him that again he, he can be one of those players who can reach the the quarterfinals potentially um of a grand slam you know he wasn't far away from it in this match and i think it will give him good motivation in the future yeah and tfo you know was just saying like how how great you know he's found like the crowd and and being you know mm. able to to have that like momentum and the, just the joy of of playing in front yeah. of 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 the fans again it was is really nice to to hear his comments and also interesting comments as well because um you know we have had a lot of five setters this tournament a lot of um kind of comebacks and like quite a lot of drama I suppose and you know TFO was saying that perhaps one of the reasons is that you don't have Roger or Rafa in the draw and perhaps a lot of people therefore feel oh you know we've got more chance in this tournament we're gonna we're really gonna go for it because I'm not going to come up against Rafa in the third round and you know I've got a real real shot here and I guess there is a point that perhaps for several years you know people just 
well, not everyone, obviously. I'm not to say that no one would have been trying hard, but there might have been a general consensus like, oh, there's like the big three are in the draw. We're never <laughs> going to get further than, you know, quarterfinals, yeah. whatever. But there is a sense that things are changing. I know Djokovic is still there, but things are a bit more possible, perhaps. Yeah, there's like this general release, isn't there, from <laughs> uh, like this excitement, I think, from the rest of the locker room, perhaps. And and that's, you know, in, in TFO's point of view, he thinks that that is the reason you're seeing players like, you know, Andreas Seppi at 37 go 15, 13 in the fifth set. You're seeing Oscar Otter reach the, the fourth round. And, um, you know, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting take. And uh, it certainly feels that, you know, if 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 Federer and Nadal aren't there, it, it certainly, I think you look at the draw and wonder, is it a bit more of a, a wild west? I mean, maybe not in Djokovic's is quarter, but certainly in the, in, in the rest of the, the draw, it, it makes things a lot more, you know, you see what's happening. It makes things a lot more realistic and believable. I think for players ranked, you know, much further down because they're not having to worry about, you know, two absolute icons of the game. And it's, it's fascinating to see that maybe, not having Federer and not having Nadal, actually, you know, maybe you could say, arguably, we're seeing with this tournament, it's made it even more exciting early on because we're getting all this drama because these guys are like, actually, I've got a, you know, I've got a shot here to reach the second week, get get a lot of prize money, get lots of ranking points. And without Roger and Rafa, I've got, you know, my chances have, have greatly improved. And maybe that's why Botic van der Zandschorp has found himself in the quarterfinals mm. uh, of the US Open because he uh, came through against Diego Schwartzman in five sets. Uh, it was He was two sets up, 6-3, 6-4, and then dropped the third and fourth sets uh, to 7-5, both of them, but then absolutely romped his way through the fifth, 6-1. And you think, you know, having, you know, been two sets up and, then being taken to a fifth, you know, you'd have thought that Schwartzman might have had the momentum there. But what a performance to kind of recover from from that disappointment of, of having two set lead. He had too much points as well in the fourth set to then come through and um you know really start you know finally get the job done. So impressive. And um what's crazy about Van der Zanschorp is you know he'd never even been to America before he played um you know this this year's US Open and you know he he played Wimbledon in in you know a couple of like six weeks ago but since then he's just been back on the challenger circuit you know which is where he's pretty much spent his 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 recent years and it's just it's proof I guess that you know there is um on 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 someone's day you know that you you may be a a stalwart of the challenger circuit but you can compete with the top guys on the atp tour there's not the level can't doesn't always no. need to be that different like you you can be right up there it's just a matter of can you do that consistently and can you perform but he's obviously made for bigger stages Botic. He he obviously brings it out when he's got a big big crowd and what have you watching him yeah, it was it was a very impressive, certainly a very impressive first two sets. I actually thought he was going to go lose it because he won that first set because all of his <laughs> matches up till then, he's lost the first set and then won. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it might be a bit of a role reversal. But yeah, to win to win in five sets, again, another player who I know we I know I feel like we always bag on the job about this. But, you know, another player from the challenger circuit like Aslan Karatsev, I, Karatsev, I feel has sort of pioneered really. And it's really kind of, I think, you know, normalized the, the challenger, the challenger talent. And I think it's, it's made fans, I think, realize how, how deep 
you know the the talent is on the on the men's on the men's tour i think you know we we always gravitate i think towards saying oh the women's you know the women's draws got so much talent there are so many names the draw runs so deep and i think you could arguably say you know this tournament we've seen that on the men's side given the you know the names like oscar otter boshit van der zanschulp uh peter godjev Jick as well, Goyochik, sorry, um, as well, getting through to the the later rounds. Um, it's been really, really impressive stuff. And you know what I like about, particularly about Botic van der Zanschalk's game, is that it's very, um, you know, it's very efficient. It's very compact. You know, he likes to finish at the net. I think that's one of his his strengths, and I think that's one of the strategies we've seen that's been really employed really effectively this week. We see Lloyd Harris use it, I think, quite well to get through to the, the quarterfinals. We're seeing it here. So his net play, I think, is a big part of his game. And at the same time, he's not afraid, I think, to match up against Schwartzman from the baseline and, and get into a bit of a, a rally. But um, yeah, it was a very impressive victory for him. And Kim, something I didn't realise, if you type his name in into predictive text on your phone, it comes up with Botox, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> and is a massive uh, watch out, I think, for anyone who's trying to type his name in on uh, on their on their smartphone. Maybe they just need to write like BVDZ or Van Z <laughs> or I, I don't know. There's got to be some sort of shortened version of his name that we can use. Um, but yeah, he's got Medvedev next, who came through against Dan Evans in straight sets. I feel like that's going to be regulation again for Medvedev. He hasn't dropped a set so far. He's looking... He's playing so you know, well. Very, yeah, he's playing well, but has he really been tested? That's the only no. other thing. Uh, I don't think van der Zandrup's going to give him a, a real test either, uh, which is great for Medvedev. But I do think if he wants to perhaps you know, try and beat Novak Djokovic, I just feel like he needs a bit more uh, in advance of a potential meeting with him. That is the one worry, I think, with with Medvedev, given the ruthlessness that he's shown so far. It was the same story, unfortunately, against Dan Evans, 6-3, 6-4, 6-3. Um, his return of serve was particularly was particularly impressive. A few I caught a few highlights of just him, yeah, just hitting some crazy winners, you know, down the line uh, off the Evans serve. I mean, Evans can be really proud of the fact that he he got this far to, you know, face the, the second seed, but it does really feel like in the bottom half of the draw that Medvedev is on a bit of a rampage at the moment and it doesn't feel like there's a lot that can really stop him I think get to the you know get to the final um I do wonder though if we're it does sort of feel like we're we're sort of replaying the script I think a little bit from the Australian Open in, in 2021 when we saw I think the same sort of level of tennis from Medvedev up to the final and then he had that match against Djokovic and it, it didn't really it didn't really work out for him so I wonder if Novak fans might see that as a little bit of a, a positive, but certainly it's a question of, yes, how, yes, he's playing really well, but do we really know how well he's playing given the, the, the caliber of players he's playing and the rankings that they have? Because I think, you know, the, the top ranked player he could face, I think could be Ojeh Aliasim, and that would be his only top 15 player, I think, en route to the finals. So, that I don't think would be necessarily ideal in one way, um, you know, if he, if, if he were to reach there. But at the same time, he should be very, very fresh, um, you know, for, uh, you know, one of the biggest challenges in the sport, if, if it is yeah. to be against Novak Djokovic. Yeah, exactly. So Medvedev is in that section with 
uh, Van de Zee, and then we've got FAA against Alcaraz as the other quarterfinal. I mean, Alcaraz came through in five sets against Goyowicz, um and I mean, this was a bit of a, a funny match. Uh, it was a strange think, match, wasn't it? Yeah, Goyowicz, I think, um, you know, had a, a bit of an injury because he went two sets to one up and then only won two more games. Like Alcaraz was very dominant in those last two sets. Just ran um, out Goyowicz of steam, was very, really struggling. Yeah, he had treatment to his, his leg. So, um, I mean, I'm really pleased that Carlos Alcaraz is, is through to the quarterfinals. He's like the youngest player to get to this point of the US Open in, in the open era, which is crazy. Um, and <laughs> I love this stat, Joel. Carlos Alcaraz has more top 10 wins in majors than Alexander Zverev, <laughs> <laughs> which I guess is true. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. That was, that was, that was as a result of his win against Sissipas. Um, this is, but yeah, it's, uh, been another great showing from him. You can tell that he feeds off the energy from the crowd and I think he was maybe a little bit helped by his opponent suffering an unfortunate injury the fact that he won sets four and sets five at the expense of just two games just shows you that I think that it wasn't really a wasn't really a contest and God Goyovic made the the most of he could uh but yeah he just I think he just he just ran out of uh you know gas in the tank and that's when Alcaraz, I think, was able to just kind of come through. So, uh, yeah, very impressive stuff from him. I mean, Kim, <laughs> I think we will be. We were all sort of thinking his breakthrough at a slam level was probably going to be at the French Open, and you know, <laughs> we're seeing this on a hard court. It sort of makes me think. Well, if if this is his second best surface, what was he going to be able to do potentially at the uh, at Roland Garros next season? Yeah, and it also makes Cam Norrie losing in the first round in straight sets to Alcaraz like Very all true, right. Yeah. You know, we were saying, oh, but we now look at what Alcaraz has, has gone on to do, and um, you know, there's no shame in in Cam Norrie having lost, and and Goyowicz has had a, a fantastic tournament as well. You know, as a qualifier, so you know he's got no no nothing to be ashamed of either. Probably just his body is caught up with him a bit in the end there. So yeah, FAA Alcaraz. Van der Zee. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go with Van der Zee, Joel. I can't be bothered to say. I love it. Bo- yeah. Botox Van der Zandel. Uh, <laughs> and then yeah, good old Medvedev. And then um, I mean, it's still shaping up, really, isn't it, for Djokovic, Zverev, Medvedev, probably FAA semi-final yep. lineup. So, but we will see. Um, let's have a quick talk about British doubles, though. Uh, very exciting. Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez uh, won their fourth round today. They're in the quarterfinals, as are Joe Salisbury and Rajiv Ram. So, got two Brits um, through to the quarters. Very good win against Bopana and, and Dodig for Salisbury and Ram. Absolutely. Unfortunately, Johnny O'Mara with, with uh, Qureshi wasn't able to to beat the second seeds, Granos and Zabias who came through. But yeah, still uh, fantastic that we've got two British doubles pairings still going strong. And we also have, Kim, the night session. We've sort of touched on them mm. already. Djokovic, Brooksby, Zachary versus Andrescu. What are your predictions? I know I know, my Ooh. predictions from last night were shocking and we shouldn't, we shouldn't really be mentioning <laughs> them. But I mean, Djokovic, Brooksby is fascinating. Brooksby, wildcard, Arthur Ashe, night session, crowd, full capacity, probably going to be booing Djokovic or not not applauding him. I'm not expecting to see Djokovic do his uh, his customary celebration maybe after the match if he wins it. Um, what are your 
what are your what are your thoughts? How's it going to go? Yeah, he hasn't been doing that, has he, Djokovic? Um, I think the he's best Brooksby. No he's going to get no yeah, love. Well, that is, I think he's up for it. Though. Like, I think he knows that. He's probably just accepted that. Um, I think the best Brooksby can get is a set uh, in a tie break, you know, kind of like how Nishikori did. I, I don't see anything happening beyond that. I'm intrigued, though, to see how he will fare. Um, I'm quite intrigued generally by Jensen Brooksby because obviously he's been getting a lot of wins lately and I haven't actually seen too much of him. So I'm quite intrigued to see how he's going to shape up. Yeah, it does feel anything that Brooksby does that is going to be of note. It's just going to, I just feel like it's just going to anger Djokovic. It's going to be like, and I took that personally. And then he's going to kind of rampage through, particularly if the crowd are going to get on his back. You know, we've seen in the past that I think he likes, he can deal with that confrontational atmosphere. Yes, he can, he can play the, the gentleman and the, the, you know, the, um, that you can play to the crowd if they're being nice, but if they're not, you know, not with him, he certainly can handle it. So yeah, certainly looking at, I think Djokovic coming through, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say in straight sets, I think, um, I think Brooksby will give a good account of himself, but certainly I think Djokovic will come through. We're getting to the business end now, and I don't think there's going to be any more slip ups really. I think from Djokovic through to the final, uh, well, off to the semi final, maybe with, with Zarev. Um, just looking at the women's singles as well, we've got Zachary Andrescu. Where are you going with this? Because this feels much more, much more even. Um, you know, Zachary has, has done well in Grand Slams this year. She got to what the semi-finals at the the French Open. Um, Andrescu obviously has been a US Open champion. Um, is still undefeated, lest we forget, which is something I completely stopped thinking about. Um, what what are you? How are you? How are you seeing this one? Yeah, because Andreescu like has had a good win in her last round, but that was against Greet mm. Minnan, who's a very different opponent to Maria Sakkari. So, oh, I'm going to give Andreescu the edge, though. Like she still hasn't lost here, and I think she's maybe going to be playing herself with each round into a bit more form. And if she can just recapture what she did two years ago, then yeah, I think if she, I'm going to say Andreescu in in straight sets, actually. Ooh, okay. Uh, but like close, a seven five, seven six, perhaps. Okay, I'm I'm thinking Sakari <laughs> might win this in three sets. Uh, okay, I can see it go for some reason. I can, I can just see Sakari not letting go, uh, or, or staying very close to Andrescu and just, yeah, getting over the line somehow in in some in some sort of way, perhaps. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm sure it'll be a I'm sure it'll be a very feisty affair. They're both I think they're both quite combative players on the court and I don't think Andrescu will give up this match lightly given all of the you know the stuff she's been here through the fact that she plays so well you know on the big stage and the fact that she's got probably so many good memories of her on Arthur Ashe you know the fact that she's in the night session I think also that will probably give us some confidence but I'm sort of backing Sakari in that underdog in that underdog I mean I would put her in the underdog a little bit so I think she revels in that position so I'm, I think I'm going to go with Sakari. And we do have Pliskova against Pavlichenkova as well. I think Pliskova will come through that in straight sets. Um, she's, again, another player who's sort of slowly, just quietly going through the draw, serving up tons of aces uh, <laughs> while she's been doing it. And she doesn't have her coach with her. Sasha Bayan couldn't get into America because of visa issues. So she's sort of being coached uh, remotely as well, um, which is very COVID sort of style coaching, really, isn't it? With everything going 
remote and virtual. <laughs> I mean, Pav- Pavlichenkova probably have sympathies there because she had also visa troubles, I think, mm. uh, earlier on. I think with, uh, well, she did, she couldn't play Cincinnati, I think, because of she wasn't able to get a visa in Not time able to get a visa. Canada. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's something, yeah, it's something that Pliskova will just have to, to deal with. But uh, we will... We will soon find out how that how that gets on. We'll be waking up tomorrow morning, checking our checking our live scores app uh, to see uh, how all the how all of the drama unfolds tonight. But uh, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this round four round by round catch up with the passing shot. Remember, if you want to stay up to date on all the action to come at the US Open, make sure to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Castbox, Stitcher, and all other good podcasting platforms out there. You can also listen to us on the downloadtennis.com app. And if you want to show your support for the show, then why not leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts? And you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Passing Shot Pod. So do give us a like and a follow if you don't already. Um, and you can also get in contact with us on all the on those social channels. Uh, we do love to hear all your thoughts about what's going on in the world of tennis. Um, you can also drop us an email, PassingShotPod at gmail.com if you prefer. Or reach out to us via our website, www.thepassingshot.co.uk. And we will be back on Wednesday evening, UK time at Passing Shot HQ to look back on all the quarterfinals action as part of our round by round coverage of the US Open. So I hope you could join us for that and we will see you again soon. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 